huge suspension comes down in baseball as Fernando Tatis Jr. gets 80 games for testing positive for a PED. Is it a big loss after all? The latest and greatest with the wild card and division races in baseball. The Sean Watson's apology, too little, too late. The Jets avoid a huge scare. NBA over-under numbers were released. Could you believe who has the highest win total of all the teams? All that and then some coming up on the latest edition here of the J Reels Podcast. But first, this message. What has happened to my good people? Thank you so much for passing by to listen to me wax poetic as I talk about anything and everything that's happening in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all available platforms. You can also go to the website at www.jreels.com for more information about yours truly, the podcast, archive shows, etc. All I want to do is increase the visibility of this podcast, so please throw me a few stars, write a review. It will go a long way into getting the word out. Even take a screenshot, send it to your friends, send it to me on social media. I'm more than happy, willing, able, and open to get your feedback on what it is that you enjoy most about the J Reels podcast. So with that being said, let's hit it. The J Reels podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December. But what really counts is let me see this in January. Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What? Is happening, my good people. Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. It's already the middle of August, and we're three weeks away from Labor Day. And like the old Don Henley song, The Boys of Summer, I feel it in the air. The summer's out of reach. Well, that may be a little bit premature, but before you know it, there'll be a lot of truth in those lyrics. So I hope you're enjoying the most of this time of year. I know I have, and there's still some time to salvage the final few weeks of it. So let's get on to some sports talk as I got a few things cooking up for you as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Thursday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Quite a bit cooking here, as I mentioned. Some things that we have to tackle, especially with football. Deshaun Watson issued an apology, actually had an an interview with an ESPN reporter there before his first snap under center in almost two years as a member of the Cleveland Browns against Jacksonville. His apology, is it weak, too little, too late? And not only that, but for all the people that have been getting at me in reference to Deshaun Watson, I got something for you. So you want to stay tuned for that. Also, the Jet fan can exhale a little bit with Zach Wilson, who crumpled down to the turf in Philadelphia it was feared that he had torn an ACL but after the prognosis being two to four weeks needing a meniscus to be repaired all of the Jet fans could breathe a giant sigh of relief so I'll touch on those couple of things as well as what's happening in the NBA just as far as over under numbers because they were released and I was very surprised 
to see who was at the top of that list. No, it wasn't the Lakers. No, it wasn't the Golden State Warriors. Certainly wasn't the Knicks or even the Brooklyn Nets for that matter. But you'll be surprised as to who's on top. At least I think I was taken aback by it. But I'll discuss that later on. Nothing much going on in the NHL. We're still two weeks away from the U.S. Open right here in my backyard, Flushing Meadow. So we still have time to chew on that. And also there was a retirement in boxing, which I'll get to with a one Tyson Fury. Should we take that seriously? We will delve in on that. But I'm going to start off with the baseball before I even get to the pennant races. The first thing we have to touch on is Fernando Tatis Jr. And I'm sure a lot of people were surprised by this. We know that Tatis has been out with this shoulder and wrist injury. I believe it's more of a shoulder because he's had this going back to last year. And off the top of my head too, with him being a couple of weeks away, from getting back into the lineup to go along with Manny Machado as well as Juan Soto who had his homecoming of sorts back in Washington D.C. over the weekend which was pretty successful for him. He did have a couple of RBIs, some hits, no home runs but the Padres did win a series and now they move on to South Florida to play the Marlins but with Tatis you really have to wonder where this kid's head is and granted he is what 23 years of age? And he still has his whole baseball life ahead of him. But what in the hell was he doing taking that steroid because of ringworm that he had of all things. And based on some of the reports that I read, I believe he took this on his own volition. Whatever the team doctors, physicians had offered to give to him in order to cure that, I think it was something that he just overlooked. Or I don't want to go as far as saying that he ignored. But he happened to take this particular substance which had this steroid in it that's banned on the major league baseball list and the next thing you know he is gone not only for the rest of this season and the postseason but depending on how this year plays out for the Padres he'll be gone for whatever the first 25 30 35 games whatever it may be until you'll see him on a baseball diamond and not only is it a shame but as I said you do have to wonder What's going on between his ears, despite the fact that I'm sure he wants to get back on the field ASAP, what did the ringworm have to do with him and his performance and him trying to get healthy? I don't know, because if he was just, let's say, a week or so away, he could have taken what the doctors were prescribing to him, and he could have been on his merry way, but instead he decided to take a shortcut or whatever this particular substance was, whether it was going to get rid of the ringworm faster than normal, who knows, but definitely a bad judgment call on his part to where not only does he put himself in jeopardy as far as his future goes, because the next time he gets caught, he's going to have a full season that he's going to have to deal with, and then the time after that, he's going to be banned, but he does hurt his team and their World Series chances, not playoff because they're going to make the postseason, but as far as them going to a World Series, with him being out of the equation, it's certainly going to hurt them than help them. Or will it? He hasn't been there all year. We understand that if he were to be in uniform and on the field tonight, there would certainly be a threat. There would be a team that you would have to look at as a possible World Series participant. And even with his exploits at shortstop, 
it does make them a better team when he's in the lineup. But because you haven't seen him this year, and he hasn't been a part of this 2022 season, it's almost as if they'll be fine without him. Manny Machado had said that, yeah, it's a shame, it sucks, I'm paraphrasing of course, but it's not as if we had him all year, or yes, we may have been expecting him to come back to be a part of this team, but we've done pretty well without him. Well, if pretty well is 16 games behind the Dodgers and playing for, right now, a road series in the wildcard round, if that's a successful season, or at least making it to the postseason in that regard, then, all right, that's not really a very high bar that you want to look at if you're a Padre fan, because coming into the season, and this is minus Juan Soto, coming into the season, you thought that this team could compete with the Dodgers for a division and put themselves in a spot where they could even host a first-round wildcard series if they didn't win a division. But now, it looks like their road to a World Series is going to be on the road, whether it be in Atlanta, and then in the next round, whether it be in New York against the Mets or against the Dodgers right up the coast. That is something that we'll have to see how it all unfolds. But if you're a Padre fan right now, I know you have to be highly disappointed. I'm sure the team, even the organization, A.J. Preller, the GM, expressed his displeasure over this whole scenario. But as we all know, the show must go on and the beat does continue to roll. But if you're a Padre fan and your organization, you have to be bitterly disappointed at what took place over the last 72 hours. I know I would. Here's a guy that arguably is the face of your team. You could say Manny Machado since he was the first guy to come with the $300 million deal. But we all know Tatis Jr., one of the more exciting players in the game, superstar talent, and with the injuries that he's already had to deal with, some of them due to him not being smart enough, whether these motorcycles or these ATVs, whatever it was that he got himself in trouble in the first place. And then on top of that, this issue with the PED, obviously a terrible optic for a guy that has... 13 more years, or really 14 years, I believe this is the first of his deal, where he's going to be paid $340 million. So the Padres are going to have to go on without their uber-talented shortstop. And as I mentioned before, the Padres did win two out of three in Washington. Juan Soto got a great ovation, and Preller, give him credit, we talked about the deal a couple weeks ago, But could you imagine with the team looking forward to having Fernando Tatis Jr. in the lineup, and let's say if they didn't trade for Juan Soto, that would have even been a bigger blow. At least you have Soto there, who's a left-handed bat and could provide some length, depth in that lineup. It certainly softens the blow with Tatis not coming back this year and the early part of next year. So with Soto, as he was able to get the pomp and circumstance coming back to D.C. out of the way with the warm reception. I thought maybe a few fans would boo, but it's not as if the national fan or baseball is big in Washington in that regard. Yes, they did win a World Series a few years ago, but we all know that's a football town. That's all on the, I know they're the commanders, but historically they're the Redskins. That's a football town. It's not a basketball town. It's not a hockey town, although they won a Stanley Cup four years ago. We all know that is a dynamo football town. So baseball is the last sport that was ushered into that city. 
and even with them winning a World Series a few years back, you would think that the fan isn't going to be as hostile. There wasn't going to be a lot of vitriol towards Juan Soto, despite the fact that he passed up on $440 million in 15 years, about what, a month ago, six weeks ago tops? But still, they showed him their love, they went out to support him, and good for Soto as they now move on to South Florida. As far as what's happening with the wild card and divisions, you've had a little bit of separation in the AL Central as the Guardians continue to win, doing very well. The Twins, who had lost two in a row in Anaheim, four out of five when they went to LA early in the week and then losing the back two of three in Anaheim against the Angels. And then the White Sox, they were able to sweep the Tigers, which was good for them, but it puts them in a scenario where they are tied. Although the Twins just have the slightest edge in the division, they are two and a half games behind the Cleveland Guardians at the moment. But when we shift over to the NL Central, you had a big series in St. Louis over the weekend where the Cardinals took two out of three and pretty much kept their division at bay where they gained the game. Now the Cardinals are only ahead by one game in the loss column, but a game and a half in the division. I got to check to see when the two teams will meet up again because you figured that they're going to probably have a couple of more series, you would think, in September. So let me pull up their schedule to see when the Cardinals and Brewers will play again because we have a pretty good idea that that should come down to the wire. And as I look at it now, they do have two more series left, but they're both two-game series, September 13th and 14th at home, For the Cardinals, midweek games, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then two weeks after that, the 27th and 28th at Milwaukee. So the division, certainly up in the air between both of those teams. Who knows if it's going to come down to those four games in September between the two. But those are the two division races that are the closest, again, in the AL Central and the NL Central. And then when we look at the NL East, the Braves were able to get a game over the weekend, where the Mets lost Friday night 2-1, to one, that's where the Braves were able to make up some ground. The Braves swept the Marlins over the weekend in Miami, and even though the lead had been trimmed by one game, but it's still 5.5, it's 6 in the loss, and then guess what? The Mets will play the Braves starting tonight, first of four games, where the back two, Wednesday night you'll have Scherzer, Thursday night you'll have DeGrom, So that will bode well for the Mets if they can win one of these first two games. And even though they lost the Scherzer game Friday night against the Phillies, and like I mentioned, anytime you have Scherzer and the Grom starting, you would like for the Mets to win those two games. They're never automatics, as we know. And Scherzer did give up a lot of hits Friday night against the Phillies, but got a no decision. And then the Grom was masterful there the next night in a game that I'm not going to say they had to win, But if they were going to win the series, they had to win the DeGrom game. And what did DeGrom do? Six innings, two hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts. And since he's been back, 16 innings, 26 strikeouts, he's given up six hits, and he's walked two. All I could say, yours truly to all the Met fans out there, let him stay healthy through November 7th. But that's what you have between the Mets and Braves, so that's going to be a big series. Let's see if the Braves offer a little payback. The Braves would have to win at least three out of four to gain two games in the standings. If the Mets happen to split, no harm, no foul. If they happen to win three out of four, so if they get 
a win, whether it's Carlos Carrasco or Taiwan Walker, and then win the back two with Scherzer and DeGrom, they will gain two games in the standings, and you would think that should be it for the division as Met fans. And we all know, we've seen big leads in September get blown up, especially with 17 games to go with a seven-game lead. 2007. So still plenty of baseball to be played. By any means, the division is not a formality. It's not a foregone conclusion. But those are your division races that we have to keep an eye on here. And as far as the wild card goes, the Rays showed some face here over the weekend because Baltimore went in there on Friday night and they beat them 10-3. to Now Baltimore came off of a loss in Boston the night before. So with them beating the Rays the next night and looked like they had an advantage to maybe steal another game to increase in the standings. And in fact... After winning that game on Friday, they did get the final spot in the wild card as the sixth seed, but then they lose Saturday night, and then yesterday, Drew Rasmussen pitches a perfect game into the ninth inning where it was broken up by Jorge Mateo as he hit a double down the line, and the Rays were able to take two out of three to the point where they gained some separation a little bit there, two in the loss, but now the Orioles are a game and a half behind the Rays in the division. So the Orioles now have some ground to make up after they were nestled, although briefly for 24 hours, in that final wildcard spot to where you have a race where the Blue Jays, Mariners, and Rays are all separated by a game. Now it's weird because the Rays, at 60-53, and they've played 113 games, but then the Mariners have already played 116 So even though they have more losses, but they have two more wins than the Rays, so by percentage points, they are in the fifth spot when it comes to the American League overall and the second wildcard spot, just a half game behind the Blue Jays, which they are two on the loss. And with the Blue Jays being a game over the Rays, it looks like this could be a wildcard race that goes down to the wire. Because you do have the Orioles, like I mentioned, a game and a half back. Both the Twins and White Sox, two back, although two and a half back in the division. So they do have a little bit of a safety net there. But you do not want to mess around with the wild card. You want to try to get to win the division, as I've said time after time. And then you have the Red Sox, who are four and a half back. And they did win two out of three against the Yankees over the weekend. Then to the National League, you have the Braves, who have extended their lead and now have won six in a row. Remember... They were just three and a half games ahead of both the Padres and Phillies, but now they were able to springboard themselves after their nightmarish weekend in Flushing last weekend to the tune of six in a row with the Mets coming in. The Padres are now just a half game ahead of the Phillies, but just like the AL wildcard where the Mariners have played more games than the Rays, you have a scenario where the Padres have played more games than the Phillies, 65-52 and for the Padres, 63-51 63-51 and 51 for the Phillies, percentage points ahead, but a half game in the wildcard standings. And then you have the Brewers that are a game and a half back of the Phillies who have the last wildcard spot. And then you want to say the Giants, now that they're back at 500, they are six back, but they look like they're not going to be anywhere close in this National League wildcard race. So that's what you have there. As far as the other divisions go, we know the Astros are going to be fine. We know the Dodgers who had a... 12-game winning streak snapped in Kansas City yesterday to where the Dodgers have the best record in the sport. 
And the Dodgers, we talked about this last week, where the Mets, after winning four out of five, we thought maybe that the Mets could be the better team in the National League based on the pitching, back of the bullpen. Lineup obviously isn't as good, but they are resourceful. They are a team that waits pitchers out. They're able to work counts, very patient, put the ball in play. And that's a team that could go deep into October based on their approach and how they're not going to be able to mash against a team like the Dodgers, who, as we all know, with the best record, what are they, 79-34, and I believe, right now in the sport. So the Dodgers are certainly going to be a tough out, and the Mets will play the Dodgers two weeks from tomorrow, and that's a series that a lot of people will pay attention to as a potential NLCS preview as we get into the final month of the season. And all is well in the AL East, although the Yankees just came off of a 2-7 and seven road trip. They come home to play the Rays, I believe the first of four. Let me double check that because for whatever reason, I always seem to get the schedules mixed up and screwed up, whatever. But I believe this is the first of four. So as I pull that up, the Yankees, you have to be concerned. And in fact, it is a three-game series, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Toronto comes in for four starting Thursday before the Mets play two games next week. But the Yankees, they're an enigma. This is a team that everybody compared to the 98 Yankees, including yours truly, to a certain extent. I wasn't going to put this team up on that level just yet. They had to not only get to at least 110 wins, but then breeze through October, win a title, and then we could compare. But based on their record as early as a month ago, And everything that they've done from April through early July, they're on a pace where they were going to be close to what the 98 Yankees did record-wise in a regular season. And now, they don't even have the best record in New York, let alone baseball. If you're a Yankee fan, I'm sure you got to be frustrated. I'm sure you have to look at this team and wonder what has gone on here. Yes, they've had some injuries crop up. We know Giancarlo Stanton has not performed here in a couple of weeks with that Achilles inflammation. Now you have an issue with DJ LeMahieu, who has a toe injury, took a cortisone shot yesterday, but said he'll probably be in the lineup today. Was not in the lineup last night in a Sunday night game where they got shut out 3-0. But the Yankees, you do have to wonder whether or not that the pitching is going to hold up, as I've said before. And Garrett Cole starts tonight, which is a big start for him. And all these starts are going to be big for Garrett Cole because he has to get some momentum heading into October. Because we all know, and I've said it before until I'm blue in the face, what he earns in the regular season is going to pale in comparison to what he does in October. So yes, he could be Cy Young worthy and go 20-2, and but we all know it doesn't mean squat until you get to game one of the ALDS. And for Cole, he has a big start tonight against a Tampa team that's Played pretty well. Who knows with Severino. Now they're pushing him to mid-September for a possible comeback. Jamison Tyon. I get it. He gave up the two-run home to Devers. But he's been up and down and more down than up recently. Frankie Montas. He had to labor through five innings the other night. He didn't get the win. But wasn't good. Although it was gutty. The starting rotation for the Yankees. Right now they are tattered and torn at the moment. And the bullpen hasn't been great either. Although Chapman has done very well here over the course of the last four or five outings. And Clay Holmes, talk about coming back down to earth. 
and I don't want to just get all in the Yankees here because watch them reel off 12 in a row and they got to shut up. But you do have to be concerned with this team having at least a little bit of momentum to get themselves together for a deep October run. And there's still plenty of time between now and October 5th when the season ends. But still, you do have to sit back and observe and see where this Yankee team is going to be at once we get deeper into this baseball season. And other than that, that's what you have for baseball. I wish I had more as far as the divisions and even with the wild card. Although the wild card, not really super intriguing. More so in the American League than in the National League, as I've said. But again, this is going to be a race that could either be thrilling when we get into September or there may be some separation to the point where we're just going to have to wait till the wild card round to start and then we'll see where the chips fall at that time. All right, now as I turn my attention to the NFL and you got a bunch of exhibition games under your belt, Whippy, I'm sure everybody's excited and geeked up as far as watching their teams. The one thing I will say that the Jet fan, and I'll start there before I get to Deshaun Watson, the Jet fan, I'm sure, were choking on their Coors Lights, whatever you, whatever they drink, when they watched Zach Wilson tumble to the turf in Lincoln Financial Field. And when I saw him make that cut, and even though he got up and he hobbled off, but of course the first thing you think of is ACL. And I said to myself, geez, this cannot happen to the Jet fan. And granted that the Jets aren't going to a Super Bowl or an AFC Championship game, but because you got the quarterback and it's year two and you want to see some improvement and you want to see some progression, that any downtime or any time that he is not under center and in the lineup, you're going to think to yourself, are we snake bit? We had an opportunity with Sam Donald. It didn't work out. We had another chance to draft a quarterback. We do. It looks like Zach Wilson's going to be better considering he has more arm strength, a little bit more ability, scrambling, etc. And here he goes, looking like that he's going to be out for an entire season and we're going to see him in 2023. As it is, the MRI came back to where he did need an arthroscopic procedure for a meniscus where he's going to be out two to four weeks. You know that they're going to treat this with kid gloves. Four weeks means opening day when you think about it. But I'm sure the Jet fan is saying if he's ready 100%, put him in there. But if not, let him sit out. And granted, he's not going up against the Ray Lewis, Alodi Nada, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Ravens defense of the past. But they do have the Ravens to kick off their season. And that's a defense that could still be ferocious. We know the DNA of that team, of that organization, that they always are going to be physical. It's always going to be a hard-hitting battle. And maybe that could be a week that Zach Wilson, if he's not 100%, could take an extra week. You put in Joe Flacco there, who knows? Maybe, miraculously, he could put up some numbers against his old team. And maybe he could come out of there with a victory and then put Wilson back in. Who knows? But, thankfully for the Jet fan, they could all exhale And not have to wonder whether or not that with this injury, not only would Zach Wilson not come back this year, but will he ever be 100% coming back from a knee injury as big as an ACL? And even though it's a lot better than it has been when you go back to the 80s and 90s, but still, he is your quarterback. 
And obviously in this day and age, you need to have a quarterback that's going to be mobile, that's going to be able to scramble, that's going to be able to even maybe come out of the pocket and rush for a big first down or get those extra yards, whatever it may be. You can't have a statue back there at the quarterback position like you once did many moons ago. So for the Jet fan, thankfully for them, they're going to see their quarterback sometime in the near future. And speaking of quarterbacks, and let's get to this, Deshaun Watson issued an apology with one of the ESPN reporters before the game against Jacksonville on Friday. And the only thing I could say to that is, why now? Why did he wait until the day of his first preseason game to come out and say that the impact of all the women that were in this situation that he apologizes for? Why didn't he say this going back to last year or even a few weeks ago before the start of training camp? Why didn't he face the music at that time to have a 10-minute session or however long it is? You may not want to answer questions at that time. Okay, fine. But to face the music, face the media, say, I don't want this to be a distraction throughout training camp, so let me say this right now. I, Deshaun Watson, I am sorry for all that I've done in regards to the women that were involved, yada, 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 whatever it may be, whether you take a few questions, no questions, whatever, that's it, you walk away and you don't have to deal with it. And I get it that he had lawyers, agents in his ears to say, we got to take the high road or just stay shut, don't say a word, don't say a peep. Whatever it is, it'll all be handled, so on and so forth. And I get it that he's going to have to abide by what his advisors say. But for everything that had transpired, and all that he said, even going back to last year, that I'm innocent, I'm going to clear my name from all this, so on and so forth, and we get it that the paying off of 24 women, whatever it was, and then issuing this apology, obviously shows that he was guilty. And for Watson to come out now, again, it's a big giant. Why? Why wasn't this done sooner? And listen, I'm not the morality police in the very least. But we all know in situations like this, it should have been handled well before the first preseason game. Because I'm sure whenever he has to face the media or a microphone or microphones are at his locker with a bunch of media people and they're going to ask him and bombard him with questions that are going to be asked in 400,000 different ways and then what is he going to do at that point? And to me, for him to all of a sudden, I mean, this came out of nowhere, people. And when I saw this, I said, what? And I even watched the video. Okay, fine. You know, he said all the right things and Okay, he put out an apology, great, but obviously he did it on his terms. And maybe he handpicked that reporter who I can't pronounce, I got to give her the credit. She actually used to be the Steeler writer, I believe, for ESPN, but now maybe she does the AFC uh, North, I was going to say Central. Maybe she does the AFC North overall, I don't know, but to me it was almost as if the timing of this came out of nowhere. And I understand people can say, well, it doesn't matter the timing, Jay Reels. Give me a break. As long as he did it, okay, fine. But again, why wasn't this done sooner? 
And for the people that have been adding me, mostly on TikTok, but even on Instagram, and people can say, oh, Jay Reels, why'd even bother? And, oh, hey, I need to interact with the people who are going to write. I just can't post stuff and then ignore it because obviously I'm interacting with these people. And they haven't frustrated me. It's nothing personal. But for people to say that, oh, I guess you're the type that is guilty until proven innocent, that he wasn't criminally charged, so how can you just crucify him? Who are you, judge, jury, and executioner, so on and so forth? People, I am not. There is a personal conduct policy that was issued by the NFL several years ago And if people forgot the situation with Ben Roethlisberger when he had that deal in Georgia off of that lake, boathouse, bar, whatever it was, and he got six games for it. And I had to bring that up to people as if that never happened. But for everybody getting at me to think that, oh, well, I see where you're coming from, Jay Reels. You're just one of those type of guys that are just going to, from pillar to post, just beat them up. The court of public opinion, you're going to jump on that bandwagon to be the one that's high and mighty and not give him a break because he wasn't criminally charged. And even though he had all these civil suits and the report from the New York Times and the Real Sports HBO segment with the one girl that was there in tears, well, he wasn't guilty, so he deserves zero punishment. This is where you guys are just lost. Not only just because of the personal conduct policy, but if he's issuing an apology now on top of everything that he's done as far as the civil settlements, don't you think there's some guilt involved? And not only that, it's not just one girl or two girls, it's 24. And people could say the same thing about Trevor Bauer in that regard where he wasn't criminally charged, but of course with the way that whole trial took place, And all of the evidence, whatever, documents, texts, etc. All right, fine. He didn't go to jail. But that type of conduct, especially with Major League Baseball, and maybe it's similar to the NFL, and people could say, well, that's apples to oranges. But no, it's about the conduct. And it's about what he did. Same for Deshaun Watson. He's an entitled athlete. He was a guy that probably thought he could get away with certain things. And a lot of these people... I don't know the exact number, but some of them were an engagement through social media to where, hey, I want to get a massage. And however he was trying to coerce these women to do these particular acts, and I get it, I wasn't there just like you weren't there. But come on. If this guy done that to just one woman, that's one woman too many. But 24? And you mean to tell me that he doesn't deserve to be punished for that based on what the NFL has enacted over the years with their personal conduct policy? You guys are lost. It's almost as if you condone that type of behavior and think that, okay, well, he wasn't criminally charged, so you know what? He should be off scot-free. All right, so then I think you're perfectly fine with him going around with all these different therapists to try to get a massage in certain body parts and not only just a massage, but I'm sure a little bit more than that because he is a quarterback of an NFL team. He's got money up the wazoo. They could just try to pay them off. to be like, hey, I'll give you a little extra. I mean, come on. And then also for the same people that come out and say, well, what about Robert Kraft? Because I even got that with people from social media. 
People ask me about Robert Kraft. I said, A, he shouldn't have been in that position either. And maybe he should have done some time, but there's not a personal conduct policy when it comes to the owners, unfortunately. Because Robert Kraft is the owner of a team. You'd think that he would have a masseuse go to his home in the privacy of his own home to do whatever it is that he wanted to. But instead, he goes to a strip mall in Florida on the day of the AFC Championship game in 2018 when his team was playing the Chiefs and he gets caught. But mind you, he didn't get caught because there was a bust or some sort of ring that was going on. He just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. So therefore, that's why he got associated with that. But if he was a part of a some sort of operation and that he was the backbone, the anchor, or the ringleader of all this, then he deserves punishment. But he just happened to show up to say, hey, I want to get a massage with a happy ending, and then all that took place, and then the next thing you know, Robert Kraft's name's thrown in there. So, oh, well, he must be doing something wrong. No, again, he was just going in to get serviced. And that was it. So Robert Kraft, that's in apples and oranges. So we can't look at that similar to Deshaun Watson or even Trevor Bauer for that matter. But my thing is, is that people, you got to get a clue here. It's in black and white. Look at the first three paragraphs in that document where it says that he has to, as a representative of the NFL, be not necessarily a choir boy, but he got to conduct himself in a respectful way. And behave in a proper manner. It's that easy. It's that simple. I I don't know what else to tell people. I mean, people think I'm nuts because here I am thinking that I want the book thrown at Deshaun Watson. And listen, if he wasn't criminally charged, fine. Never once have I said in any of my posts, oh, this guy should go to jail. He should be locked up. There's no way he should be playing football. I never said that. But I guess these people construe that I think that he should be thrown into the jail. And if the trial that came out, that that wasn't the case based on whatever evidence they found, all right, fine. But then you have the civil suits and then the apology. So you already know that he's showing his side of guilt. Because why would he have to apologize if he was innocent? That's the point. Because before that, he apologized to the organization. He apologized to the team, to his family, etc. Because he said, and go back and look at some of the articles. At one point, he said he had no regrets for his actions. None. But he did regret all the attention that it garnered because it fell on the organization, his family, teammates, etc., That's the only regret that he had at that moment. Not because of what he did to these women. Until he said otherwise on Friday. So hopefully that cleared it all up for those who are wondering. And who knows, I don't even know if the people out there on social media, they're going to listen to this. But again, I have nothing against the guy. I know Deshaun Watson is a talented football player. And... He'll be on the field, I would think, at some point this year, even though we're still waiting to see what this appeal is going to be, whether he's going to be out 10 games, 12 games, 13 games, or a whole season. I think it's probably going to be 10 at the most. 
That's just my guess. But we're going to see him. Do I feel as if this guy should never play football again? Absolutely not. Do I feel that he should be locked up? Obviously, the system showed that he was innocent. So, okay, fine. But everybody thinks that I want this guy off of the planet. That's where you're clueless. So hopefully I cleared that all up over the last 10 minutes or so. Now let me put on my high tops. Not much going on in the NBA, but I was very surprised to see the early return for the over-under numbers as to who had the most wins. And now, of course, this is based on Vegas and the odds makers and what they think the win total will be or the over-under win total will be for the upcoming season. And if you would have asked me before looking at this list who would be number one, I probably would have said the Suns, maybe the Warriors, excuse me, because obviously the Warriors being the defending champs and the Suns with the season that they had last year, even though the team is pretty much still the same, and who knows what's going to happen here between now and the start of training camp for the NBA and the Suns in particular. But I thought those two teams, maybe the Bucks. I didn't think the Sixers. I didn't think the Lakers. But the Boston Celtics are at 54 and a half. And I did a double take because I said to myself, the Celtics? This was a team that in January was, what, 18 and 21. And they blitzed through the second half and obviously had a long postseason run to where they got to a sixth game of an NBA final. But I didn't think that they were going to make 54 and a half. I thought they'd be somewhere in the top five. But to be number one, very surprised. And to round out the top five, Suns 53 and a half, Bucks 52 and a half, Warriors 52 and a half, and then the Clippers 51 and a half. All right, you wonder where the Lakers are? If you're the NBA fan or a diehard fan of the purple and gold, they are at 44 and a half right now. Now, depending on how that team is going to shape up as we get to the start of the regular season, that could be a good play for an over. Where the Brooklyn Nets, even though we don't know what that number is going to be come the start of the season with the whole Kevin Durant fiasco, maybe even Kyrie to a certain extent, the Nets are at 45.5. So they're pretty much middle of the pack. Sixers, 50.5. Miami Heat, who are that close to making it to an NBA final, also 50 and a half. The team with the lowest number on the board, who would ever have thought that a Greg Popovich-led team will be at the bottom at 24 and a half. That's actually tied with the Rockets and Pacers for the lowest in the sport. And if I go through some of the, I'm not going to go through every team here. The Jazz is taking a big step back, obviously with Rudy Gobert being traded, 32 and a half. The Knicks are at 39.5. Pelicans, if you're wondering, with a healthy Zion, 44.5. That could be a good number to play for next year. Now, of course, he has to be healthy. T-Wolves with Gobert on the team, 48.5. Mavericks, 48.5. Nuggets, 49.5. So you get an idea as to where these teams are at. But for the Celtics to be number one, I was very surprised. So I thought I'd share that right now. That could change between now and then. Speaking of over-under numbers, i got to take a look at the NFL. As we get closer to the start of the season, because you know I'm going to dissect that and give you my over-under numbers. And I'm even going to get into, for the first time, not only in the history of the podcast, but also overall, going back to my internet radio days and 
even before that. But I'm going to do the over-under point totals for the NHL. Now, that's going to be tricky because NHL, a lot of people don't really follow. Of course, I'm on top of the NHL. I get once we get to October, maybe that first couple of weeks, but then you probably won't hear about the NHL until after the Super Bowl. But I'm even going to dive into that pool to see where I land when it comes to choosing over-unders for the NHL. Because you can't do wins, because of course with the overtime losses and ties and things of that nature, so you got to do the point total. But that's something that I will also, for the first time, roll up my sleeves and see how I do once we get to early October. So we're going to have a lot back-to-back-to-back when you think about it, September into October when it comes to these over-under win or point totals for the fall and winter sports. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. And then lastly, in boxing, if the sport, and especially the heavyweight division, wasn't already off into the wilderness, as we all know it already is, but it takes another hit, as Tyson Fury, quote-unquote, walks away from the sport on his 34th birthday, no less. And I'm sure there could be a dollar amount or maybe some opponent out there will ruffle his feathers and have him come back out of retirement for one big payday. I'm sure it's not going to be Deontay Wilder. We already know that that ship's done sailed a few times over, and the fight fan does not want to see that. But the heavyweight division has been a disaster going on two decades at least. I'm not even going to get into the Kalichkos. I'm not even going to get into even Lennox Lewis late in his career. Those fights I couldn't even watch. The heavyweight division, which when you think about it, the heavyweight champion of the world was probably the biggest title that you could have in sports. Bigger than quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Bigger than center fielder for the New York Yankees. When you're the heavyweight champion of the world, you are the man at the top of the food chain when it comes to the world of sports. But as we know, it's been an out-and-out disaster. And a joke, to say the least. And... With him being the reigning WBC heavyweight champ for whatever that's worth. And I couldn't even tell you who some of the other contenders are. What is Anthony Joshua a guy that I guess I got to look out for. To see maybe he could be a future champ. I couldn't even tell you. Three or four heavyweights. Anthony Joshua to me is a reach. But I believe he is a heavyweight. That's how much I follow boxing over the years. So I have to bring this up only because it is newsworthy for the boxing fan. And for Fury... At least for right now, he's calling it a career. But something tells me that we will see him at some point, maybe not in the immediate future or the not-too-distant future, but I could see this happening to root up at some point to where I'm going to bring it up on the podcast and say, aha, here's Tyson Fury going for another heavyweight belt or somebody that came up the ranks that wanted to challenge Fury for the right price. And here we go again. As Fury is going to get back in the ring at some point, sometime in the future. And now, doing my good people, another episode in the books. As always, I appreciate you stopping by, giving your boy a chance to listen and to digest everything that I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. I appreciate your participation. It is not taken for granted in the least. And if you haven't done so, speaking of participation, if you can, please. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Also, throw me a few stars, write a review just to increase the visibility. It'll go a long way 
Again, if you haven't done so, I would truly and gratefully appreciate it. If you want to hit me up with any questions, comments, a suggestion, whatever it may be, you could do so at the following social media accounts, TikTok, the J Reels Podcast, Instagram, J Reels or the J Reels Podcast, Twitter, J Reels one, just a number, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page or the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Please submit whatever you want. I'll be more than happy to follow up. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to www.patreon.com slash the J Reels Podcast. That's P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N as in Nancy. Whatever you want to put forth, again, from the bottom of my heart, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. I'm a one-man operation, as you know, or maybe you don't know, where everything is all on me, whether it's the marketing, the advertising, of course, the upkeep of the website, this whole production, equipment, etc., So whatever you want to contribute, again, will go a long way towards this because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to do, people. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA, as I like to say. This is what I love to do. My passion, sports, pretty much since birth, to critique, analyze, praise, my opinions, thoughts, analysis, breakdown on anything and everything that has to do on the world of the diamond, Ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South East, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>